Hi, Liv. How are you? Good morning, Jess. I'm well. Yourself? Yeah, good. I've Holidays has begun in our house, so I sat in bed yesterday and read a book. The dog's trying to get in. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. I was working yesterday, but today I've got the day off and I've now got three weeks off, so it's looking good. Excellent. Um, today we're talking with Julie James, who is a mother of 10. Um, she's been married for how many years? 41. Wow. 42, I think. That's putting you on the spot. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and it's showing your age. <laughs> you don't look a day over 40. Thank you. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Um, yes, well, I was a wild teenager. My parents had um, their marriage had broken up and um, I was rebelling. So I, um, I had been, my friends were all on drugs and I decided to, to try and make a break. And they said, I'll oh, just come out with us one more time. And they ended up forcing LSD onto me. And um, in my hallucinations, I found that I was in a place that looked like what you'd think maybe hell was. Um, and that I didn't actually believe in hell at that time. And um, But they wouldn't take me home. And I thought, okay, maybe there's, um, maybe if, if hell does exist, there is, there is a God and there is a heaven. And I just said, well, look, God, if you exist, please get me out of here and give me another chance. And uh, the next thing they dropped me back home and they said, Julie, if you tell anybody what happened today, we'll burn your house down with you in it. Mm. So <laughs> I... are not the best friends <laughs> <in> now. <laughs> <laughs> so I woke up the next morning severely depressed and um, felt nobody loved me, poor me, and uh, I was actually thinking how if I just wanted to take my life because I hadn't found real happiness. Mm -hmm. And um, my brother walked in and he was 14, I was about 16, and he said, Julie, if you want to find happiness, read the Bible, and he just walked out. And... Um, we weren't allowed to talk about God in our homes. So. That wasn't God's handiwork. No. Wow. <laughs> so um, I thought, oh, my gosh, maybe God is giving me another chance. Maybe, you know, I don't, I don't, he doesn't want me to take my life. I don't know. Maybe I should just look at the Bible before I decide how to take my life. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'd had one sitting on my shelf from school from years before and just, um opened it up at Genesis, read the story of Adam and Eve and how they'd rebelled against God's plan and for, you know, to, for them to live in paradise. Mm. And I just saw what mess we'd made our world into. And basically I just, um, I said, okay, God, I believe that you exist. Um, but all I need to know is that you love me because why do you want to live if nobody loves you? And at that stage, nobody did that I thought so um the next thing I found the felt these arms wrapping around me um and I just felt totally immersed in this unbelievable love that I can't describe um 
And then when it finished, I just got out, out of bed. I knelt down on my knees and I just started crying and I just felt so humble in front of this amazing love and power and um and it from that day onwards I decided to do something with my life and um I wanted to help others I thought I was thinking to work in India with the poor and um but I met my husband we got married um had 10 children which was none of my plan I never <laughs> wanted to marry I'd never seen a happy marriage um and definitely not have children because I'd only seen unhappy children and divorced families. So, but I decided, well, I was going to make do something. I was never going to do let my marriage end in like the way my parents did. Um, but there was a, a catch to that. And I think it happened when my dad made mum have an abortion and she, um, she didn't want to, but she felt if she didn't, he may abandon her with four children. So, mm. um, Were you aware of this? Not at all. No, no, this was um, probably when I was maybe 10 mm -hmm. years old. Anyway, um, but she had she was suffering a lot with depression and when I put it all together, I think that she, um, it was she told me 40 years down the track that she had um, not wanted to have the abortion and she wished that somebody would stop her. Mm. And even like, even at the abortion clinic, if somebody had said to her, there's another option, somebody, we can support you, she would never have gone through with it. Um, and since that day, she said she basically didn't want to live. She didn't feel worthy to live. Mm. Um, anyway, so. Wow. Beautiful. I um I did pregnancy counselling for a few years and I noticed that a lot of the callers were post-abortion trauma, women who had post-abortion trauma, and it could have been 40, as you said, years ago, and they still carry this massive burden yeah. and they don't understand yeah. why they're aching or why yeah. they're, they're hurting and they they because they've always been told that it's it's nothing, it's a lump of cells, you'll get on with your life. Mm. And society mm. tells you that um, to be a true woman, it means to be self-assertive. And it's so sad that today self-assertiveness and being an independent woman is giving us permission to kill our children. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> that, that's, that's mm. the form of independence that we've been given is the ability to, ch to choose yeah. whether we kill yeah. our children or let them mm. live. Mm. I mean, mm. it, it has to affect you mm. personally, you know, every person and society. Liv, mm. have you got um, any thoughts? I just saw a bumper sticker the other day and I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it was something like, you know, we're all about, society is all about women's choice, but what about the choice of the baby? Mm. And, you know, it got me thinking. But um, just to give you a bit of a background on my, um, you know, where I come from on the stance of abortion, um, I think with anything, with, with the faith especially, you have to at some point in your life make it your own. And, um, you know, we've, we've got the Ten Commandments to help guide us through life. But unless you really make it your own and, um, you know, you, yeah, you're just sort of a cradle Catholic. And I was at a leadership 
talk um, for leaders of, of Christian schools in Sydney. This was, what, 25 years ago. And um, there was a speaker there and it was, it was on, there were speakers from all over the world um, on people who had overcome adversity and there was one girl there called Gianna Jensen and she was an American pro-lifer and a disability rights activist um, and she was the result of a failed saline abortion mm. and her mum was 17. And she said um, she, she has cerebral palsy as a result, which affects your movement, but she describes her cerebral palsy as a tremendous gift. And, and it was that moment that I, that was my clearest moment. Like I know the Catholic Church is against abortion and we support life from conception to death, to natural death. But it was that moment hearing this girl's, this girl's story that it became really clear in my head the church's mm. stance on abortion. That mm. was when I thought, yep, I have to do something about this. But you also were a nurse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm. um, look, after I heard Diana speak, I, I did do cyborg counselling for a little bit and um, I know there's a big hoo-ha in the media at the moment about it, um, but I can honestly say that it was very peaceful on the side of the Pacific Highway all those years ago, but um, there was a lot of anger from murderers driving past and horns mm. and things like that. Then I sort of got caught up in life and I, and I didn't do um, counselling for a long time. And then I got to uni and I did nursing and I was a first-year nursing student on a midwifery prac and um, I had been waiting all day for this poor young girl to um, labour. And it was it was taking a an, an lifetime. We all know that. How many <laughs> how many births between us? Twenty. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness! But she was having induced abortion. Um, yes. Yeah, so well, at at the time, no, this was a different one. So okay. I was waiting for this girl to labour, and it was taking forever. And I was just doing uni notes and things. And then the num, um, the head nurse came to me and said, "Oh, well, if you're bored, if you don't have anything else to do, why don't you come and look at?" Uh, what did she call it? Why don't you come and look at a placenta and membranes? They were the exact words she used. So for me, placenta and membranes was the afterbirth because, mm. as you know, they have to check your afterbirth that nothing's left. Um, so I presume that's what I was looking at and I scrubbed up, put gloves on and walked into this room and she just said, oh, it's over there in the red bucket. And I went over and lifted the lid off and there was this perfect little boy in the mm. bucket and it just broke, shattered me, absolutely mm. shattered me. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, can I baptise him? How, how big was he? Well, she's, this is what um, made me really sad. She said, oh, he was only 14 weeks and she was sort of making out that it was okay because he was so young. But he was bigger than the size of my hand, you know, from wrist That's to fingertips. 14 weeks. Yeah, and yeah. because I had done sidewalk counselling, I know that that is at least 24 weeks that size. Mm. But he was perfectly formed, um, he had fingers, toes, a penis, eyes, you know, everything, everything was formed, everything was perfectly formed. Mm -hmm. And I was in so much shock I, I couldn't even show my anger to this woman because she obviously did it for the shock factor of a mm -hmm. first-year uni student. And she said it was was that even legal back then? No, I don't think 25? so. And and I was oh, so she young. said fourteen weeks in Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I was so young and um I just didn't have the courage to to say anything, I was I was speechless. Yeah. And she picked him up and and turned him over, and she said, "Oh, he had spina bifida. That's why." And he had the tiniest little split in his back. It was just like a little red mark along his spine. And um, and I 
I was just overcome with this, not anger at all towards the mother, just sadness. And, mm. and I just kept thinking, is she in this hospital, you know? And there was babies being born all around us and that, that cry of pain and sheer joy, you know, and I thought, mm. is she listening to this? Mm. You know, I just couldn't help, I couldn't get that mother out of my head and it wasn't, and I think that's what the media portrays sidewalk counsellors. We've got this anger towards mothers for doing it and it's not like that. We're there to help them as much as we are to help the mm. children, mm. the unborn babies. And, yeah, I, mm. I've i never forgotten. Um, oh, but just sorry. Yeah. Um, and it was the very next day. I, I, I told mum when I went home but I, I struggled to report it. You know, I was just uh, in shock. And... Um, but the very next day I got an, I think it must have been on a news report, I don't think it was an inbox email, but you know that story of the doctor, it's a famous image of a doctor operating on a baby in utero who has spina bifida oh, and the yes. hand's coming, he's made an incision and the hand's yes. coming through the belly and holding onto the doctor's finger. And that baby had spina bifida and he was able to operate and put it back in mm. and um, finish gestation. Mm. And I, I just thought, wow, you know. If only that mother knew that there was hope. Yeah. Yeah. Abortion always brings death to the child, but it also brings a certain type of numbness and death, I suppose, to the parents. Mm. Do you, mm. I mean, that's kind of what you're saying with mm. your mother. Well, I, I'd put it in the, the, like the fact that in a way I've, mum was saying that her soul had died. Yeah. With that was baby. she religious at all? No. No. Um, no, she... Yeah, she um, she was my both my parents were anti Christian. Yep. So um, she she felt that I mean it's it's natural as human nature. Mm, it is. It's we go against nature. Yeah, yeah. And we're told that um, we can do whatever we want to our bodies. It's our choice. Um, but unfortunately, the choice is it's not not a good one. Mm. Like it's not mm. it's not going to bring a solution to the problem. No. Yeah. Well, I've I've taken in women. Um, well, I did sidewalk counselling also, um, and telephone counselling. And the thing I was finding was a lot of women had to get out of their situation it, to continue with the pregnancy. They had to get away from the father mm. because they were they would be bashed, or some of them you've heard of women being killed. You know, yeah. so um, so basically, I was struggling to find accommodation for them. And um, unable to find anything, everything was full and a lot of places were closing down because of a lack of funding. So I ended up over the years taking in about six women into my home um, and they're following through, you know, well, getting just people would donate money to me and would get them through their pregnancies. And in many cases we felt thought they were going to have to give up their children, but somehow in the end they've all, bar one, have ended up keeping their children mm. um, with support from mm. um, people, not necessarily, not necessarily family, no, mm. but other people who saw, you know, the, the value in letting this mother keep the child yeah. and giving her support. Some of them were from a pro-life background sort of thing and um, they've taken these young mothers and, um, uh, oh, one one mother was an alcoholic. She was forty five when she had the baby. 
her other five children had been taken off her mm. because of the alcohol. She wasn't able to care for them. And so it was like pretty desperate situation. Her, the doctor, her the GP said, as soon as he said, I'm reporting you to docs, um, you're going to have to have an abortion, da-da-da-da. And after talking to me, she said, no, um, we, we after going through it, she said, I, I was adopted. I had a beautiful adoptive parents. And she said, I'm going to adopt, even though mm. the father of the baby said, you either abort or keep the baby. You're not giving it away. Because yeah. the last pregnancy, the baby had been given away to um, some distant relatives. And he he was really upset about that. But he, he actually broke her arm before she got pregnant. So he oh. was violent, you know. It was just so sad. But um, so in the end, she, um, yeah, that she hasn't got the little boy, but she's a member of the family's got him. And once she goes through rehab, which she's been coming in and out of rehab, but she's going in for nine months this time. And if she does, she'll be able to get her son back. Mm. And uh, another one was an overseas student who... She was deported back to China because she overstayed her visa to have the baby. The mm. father had locked her out of the house and changed the locks on the house, so she was homeless. And um, so she lived with us. And then she, he was 15 months old, and they said, you know, they'll put her into detention if she doesn't go home. And she just, she couldn't take this baby back because she had a child already in China mm. as a single mum. That mm. child's not recognised no, as right. a human being or a citizen or anything. So she just left the baby with me and went back to China. So I had this beautiful little baby boy, but in the end the father who denied he was the father refused to have DNA testing. Once the mother went back to China, decided to come and visit him, fell in love with him, and now oh. after three years of gradually breaking him into being a father, he's now taken this little yeah. boy. Wow, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. You're a good woman. <laughs> oh, well, I get a lot of pleasure out of seeing, yeah. you know, lives. In, in, yeah, taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know, but abortion kind of, we've, imagine how many people that haven't been born that should have been born and well, families yes. that don't exist now because of mm. abortion and, mm. you know, aunties and uncles that could have been, well, should have been here. Well, I mean, yeah, whole generations you, are kind of mm, mm. missing. Well, I my mother also had an abortion when she was raped as a teenager. Mm. Um, so I've got two siblings missing and yeah. if they had even half the children I had, that would be ten children between them. Yeah. And then if they had children... Like I've got nine grandchildren, so say they had um, five grandchildren. Like it's just generations yeah, that so. are missing from mm. our yeah. yeah. And um, I often think like those siblings, like what sort of relationship would I have with them? Because you only have one brother, I've got is that right? Three brothers. Three brothers. But, but two of my brothers have had all their children aborted oh. because they grew up in that mentality. Yes, you know. So. Um, and so abortion that. has really affected your family on a very personal level. Yeah, yeah. And they've, they're very both very unhappy, those two brothers. Mm -hmm. And it's very sad. Um, mm. People always say the pro-life uh, uh, people yeah, are only concerned about the baby and it's always focused on the baby. You're killing the baby and they're, sh they're you know, shoving maimed babies in people's faces mm. and, 
um, pictures of, mm-hmm. but they don't understand that we really are about the woman, like the, the baby and the mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mm-hmm. taking six women into your home, mm-hmm. you know, shows that the empathy there is for both mother and exactly, which really yeah. is if you if yeah. you don't care for the feminism, mother. isn't it? Like <laughs> we care oh, for the woman, we care for yeah. the mother. Yeah. And what yeah. do you have to say to? <laughs> do you want to speak about about that? You know the fact um, that we're kind of seen as being anti-feminist when really we uphold women. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't have ten children if if women if I hadn't seen that motherhood was something very worthwhile, the fact that um, what you give to those children is going to benefit society and they've all become very self-giving type of professions, um, you know, doctor, lawyer, journalist, nurse. Yeah. Um, so they, I think, um, yeah, feminism is, it's, they're going down the wrong track, mm. especially being anti-male. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because um, there's, yeah, men, men. well, I suppose I'm very lucky that I've had a very supportive husband um, and he basically didn't want me to work because he wanted me to concentrate on bringing up the kids. So for a while, like, I was thinking, oh, I'd much rather be out working and not mm. home changing nappies and da-da-da. But, but now I see... You know, the, the love mm. that I put into those kids has benefited all their own children and yeah. the whole of society. You know, True. Um, so, Olivia, have you got anything that you want I, to add? I'm going a bit off on a tangent, um, but I was recently at a child protection um, seminar for work. I'm a teacher and um, I just remember being... Uh, shocked by the contradiction of of the law in in education because for instance we were told that um if a student comes to school and says oh my dad's beating up my mom and she's pregnant as a mandatory reporter i have to report that because for the welfare of that unborn child and yet a doctor whose profession it is to uphold life can you know rip that baby apart it just it just seems um so contradictory that you know the day after like while it's in utero we have to support it um under those guidelines yet a doctor can Mm. i I don't know there's Mm. just so many it just Mm. seems Mm. absurd (laughs) yeah yeah i was listening to a girl the other day um on a podcast and she was saying that I mean, how many? 50,000? 50, 50, Is that too little? No, in Australia. Abortion. Yeah. Oh, over 120,000 a year, isn't it? No, 50 million in, in so, the United States since oh, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. Roe versus Wade. 50 yes. million yes. babies have been killed. Mm. Um, so with the statistics like that, you have to assume that most people you know have had one. Yeah. Have either had yeah. one or is directly affected by mm. abortion. Mm. So we have to be very sympathetic mm. and very, un, you know, caring mm. because they're our friends, they're our mothers, mm. they're our grandmothers, they're our aunties. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they are hurting. Yeah, they're aching. Yeah. 
do you have any, because you're such a compassionate woman, do you have any advice on how to speak to Mm. people who are either considering abortion or who have had Mm. an abortion? Well, one woman that I tried to help, um, I did face-to-face counselling with her and she basically was from Turkey. Um, English was a second language. She was. She had been working in Australia and living here for many years, but um, she she had nobody supporting her to have that baby. She, the father of the baby, had told her he was unattached to anybody. When she got pregnant, he said he was married with three children, mm. and that she had to have an abortion. Um, then she'd been. Um, she was under a psychologist at the time who she went to see and he said, you have to have an abortion, you're not going to be able to cope with this. Um, she rung her mother in Turkey. Her mother said, if you don't have an abortion, I'll never talk to you again. How old and was she? She was 40 or 39, 39. Um, so, and she'd never been pregnant before or anything. And, I, yeah, I think basically she... Um, she was had very bad morning sickness and she was unable to work like because of that and so i i just gave her money because to pay for her rent and things and um so she a couple of days later she went to the abortion clinic she couldn't go through with it she came back then she just um after speaking to her mother she just went back again went through oh she said to the abortionist is there anything is there any other option um i you know it was hard for me to tell her what the effects are going to be afterwards because all she could think was the present now now, here and now anyway he said no you've got no options you you won't have any money you've got no father for the baby you've got no family support da 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 um and she didn't know me from a bar of soap even though i said i'd support her but Anyway, she went through with it and um, she from that day onward she has had uncurable pain, like it's called psychosomatic, it's fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. Um, she hasn't been able to work since she had the abortion. She's she whenever I, I go and meet up with her for lunch and that occasionally if a little if there's a little toddler around, she'll start crying. Mm. And I feel guilty like having my grandchildren Went around when she's there because she just it brings back all these memories mm. and she I tried to get her to have post abortion counselling because there are professionals yeah. in that area. Rachel's Vineyard, is it? Um, not actually, just starting with uh, weekly uh-huh. sessions right. that were free. Yeah. They were free to her, and um, and she she had she got a parking fine the first day and because she didn't have any money you know, to pay parking fines and things like she just didn't go back. And uh, I've told her about Rachel's vineyard and things, but um, she's just so severely depressed that I can't motivate her to do much. But anyway, after nine years since she had the abortion, she's just packed up and gone back to Turkey. But um, but she says she's coming back mm. anyway. I think we, it's, it's love to yeah. love them. Yeah, you yeah. know, they're, they're, we're all broken and we've all made mistakes. Mm. Um, and to show them that they matter and mm. their pain matters. Mm. Like they well, are, that's the thing. No, nobody else would recognise No one acknowledges that. She went back mm, yeah. to the psychologist and he would not recognise yeah. that the abortion had mm, caused mm, her to mm. become so debilitated. Yeah. 
That's the problem. Okay. What's that book? There is a book. Giving Sorrow Giving Words. Giving Sorrow Words. Yeah. What was that? Melinda Tankard Reese. That was mm. that opened my eyes completely yeah. to the yeah. post traumatic stress of abortion. But but mm. but the, the abortion the decision is normally not the woman. It comes from outside influence. Pressure. It comes from pressure from family, mm. from mm. the partner. You know, mm. they're not the one, you know. You have uh, this life inside mm. you. You're, you're you're changed completely, whether you realise it or not. Mm. Yeah. And, I mean, no matter what anyone says, I think um, you know deep down that it's a, it's a life. Mm. And I know, like, when I've had a miscarriage, you know, that uh, that still affects me and that was 10 years ago mm. um, and it still affects my children, especially my little girl. So, you know, we, we do know that it's a, it's a life but um, these poor parents that have well, considering abortion or, or have gone through with it, they have to fail, find a way to justify it and hence a lot of them, mm. you know, say it's, a, it's not a human life. Well, they're constantly in denial. Oh, it didn't affect me. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But deep down, they know. Mm. And and sometimes it's not immediate either. Um, you know, like Julie's mum, it can rear its head forty years later. Mm. Um, but it sits there, bubbling away. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it comes out in certain things or trigger triggers like children or anniversaries and mm-hmm. birthday where the birthdays that they may would have had and. Mm-hmm. Mm, they remember the birthdays. Yeah. yeah. And like um, this little bub that I saw um, with spina bifida, a lot of women these days, sometimes it's through choice of a partner, but a lot of times the babies have um, a medical condition and um, and they're told to abort because of that. Mm-hmm. Julie, um, you have a son who's Down syndrome. Were you ever, yeah. was it suggested? Well, or the doctor knew your It wasn't picked up. No, well. Um, I would have said no because um, both my husband and I believed every child had a right to life and no matter what disability. And we both worked with children with Down syndrome. But um, the thing is that he it wasn't picked up during the pregnancy, even though I was telling the doctor there was he wasn't as strong and his kicks and that was so different. Oh, yes. Anyway, but... Um, Wait, did you feel... Less sick? Because you know how they say, oh, being sick is a sign of a healthy oh, baby. No, I had I had hemorrhaging at the beginning, but I had that with quite a few pregnancies. Mm. Um, but he, yeah, it was um, so just the ultrasound didn't pick it up. You can have more invasive testing and that probably would have picked it up. But usually with all the women I know who've got children with Down syndrome, the ultrasound has picked it up, yeah. in, you know, early on. And then they offered more invasive testing. Um, although nowadays there's, the testing's getting more and more um, simple. But um, so yeah, so we didn't. I didn't know he had Down syndrome until we, he was born, and both my husband and I could see it. Neither of us said anything because we were in shock. And then um, three hours later, the uh, the paediatrician came in. And basically told me every single thing that could happen. Mm, every to, negative thing. Every negative yeah. thing that could happen with having a child with Down syndrome, like as if to say, well, you know, this is this is what is going to be your life. Yeah. And um, basically I cried all night. 
and thinking he was going to die because of all these complications that they can have. Did, did but, he have a hole in his heart? Because I know that, is that one of the... Yeah, that's something. But that, I've had his baby sister die with a hole in the heart. She oh, didn't have Down syndrome, yeah. you know. But just because it has Down syndrome and can have other complications, um, they don't have a right to live like yeah. it. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense because there's so many other... It's only because they can pick up Down syndrome and eliminate it. Like in Iceland, they boast of 100% wow. um, freedom of Down syndrome in their country. Gosh. But um, What a poorer society for not having yeah. Down syndrome people yeah. in it. Yeah. I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think anybody who has ever come in contact with somebody with Down syndrome has walked away without a smile on their face. Sure, mm. that's right. They're always yeah. so honest for one <laughs> I think that's what makes you laugh because yeah. they're brutally honest yeah, yeah. and loving mm. <laughs> actually Julie I don't know if I've told you this but Julie's daughter Kat is a good friend of mine and Kat came around to visit once and um, we pulled up and Kat had Tom your Down syndrome son with her and we pulled up at the same time and I and um, God and my husband it was my husband he arrived home with shopping bags and Tom was sitting at the table and he said um, hi, I'm Tom, and the chips in that bag look really nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah, very mm. honest. So out came the chips and Tom enjoyed them. <laughs> I'm sure he let you know yeah. how much he enjoyed them too. Mm. Oh, bless. But it, it's just um, what message does it send to people who have other disabilities? Like, yeah. well, if they don't want people with Down syndrome who are physically able, yeah. but, you know, these people in wheelchairs and with you know, who get have accidents and cars and sports and they're paralysed, like, um, do, you know, should we just get rid of euthanise them because mm. they, they're causing some suffering or we think they're suffering? Well, this Gianna girl, she, you know, she said that her um, cerebral palsy is a tremendous gift. Like she's so grateful for the gift of life despite the physical mm. hardships. Mm. Mm. That's true. Well, I think any hardships make if you they're a challenge and if you if you face those challenges um and try to overcome them it makes you a stronger better person a more caring mm. person and if we eliminate all suffering from our lives we're going to be so selfish and proud mm. and but who, who's to say whose life is better than another like we're so mm. pc on you know not discriminating against anybody with any sexual preferences why are we discriminating on who's Life is better, like life. Mm, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Physicality. Yeah, mm. but but even um, um, I can't even think of the word. But um, oh, I can't think of it. <laughs> It'll come to me. Um, oh. Yeah. So I mean, and these. Well, I know a nurse who. Um, there were three. Over the years, she lived in Hornsby. I think she went to Hornsby Hospital. So three babies with Down syndrome were born and they were ill at the time and they were abandoned by their parents basically. Um, at the hospital? At the hospital, yes. And um, so she adopted these three children and she and her sister have brought them up. And that wow. that brings meaning and happiness into mm. their lives. It, they very they love to help others and... Um, you know, if these kids were eliminated, their lives would be empty probably. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard of a couple that were farmers who have also adopted three children with Down syndrome. So 
you'd think if they had one with Downs and it was such a huge burden, they wouldn't go on yes. and take yeah. another two on, you know. Yeah, but, that's um, right. So, oh, how beautiful. Wow. Yeah. So thank you so much for... Um, humbly sharing your story with us. It's a pleasure. It was so yeah. lovely for you to be on the podcast. I'm going to finish. Oh, before we f- – should I do the prayer first? No. Before what? We'll do – oh, joy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? So on the podcast, Julie, we go through something that's brought us joy this week. Okay. All right, so, so we'll do, you, actually, do you want to have a think about it or no, you're right? Okay. I've just um, – You go first. Yesterday was my son with Down syndrome's 30, 31st birthday Gosh. And it, it just made me so joyful because his siblings came from all over Sydney oh. on a weeknight oh, yeah. to celebrate his birthday. <laughs> he was he his proudest punch? Oh, yes, he just he loves his siblings, you know. He, <laughs> <laughs> um, and they all love him and, and it gives you a reason to live when you've got somebody yeah. like that who really needs you, yes. you know. Absolutely. Yeah, so they were all so generous. I can't believe he's 31. <laughs> that makes me old. Yeah, what about you? Um, my joy would have to be school holidays. I just love um, just the um, no routine, spending time with the kids without, that, yeah. you know, having to yell at them in the morning to get ready. Just, yeah, I can't wait. Three weeks off with the kids. That's my joy. Mm-hmm. Jess, what about you? Well, I said at the beginning yesterday I sat in bed and I read, locked the door and I said, don't come in. Um, I'm reading One Beautiful Dream by Jennifer Fulwiler. Mm-hmm. It's a rollicking tale of family chaos, personal passions and saying yes to them both. And it's $1.99 on iBooks at the moment oh, really? Kindle. So get it. It is oh, so funny. Geez. She's an atheist. She was an atheist mm. and she converted and um, she had six kids in eight years. Wow. And it <laughs> is hilarious. Can you just mm. One Beautiful Dream by Jennifer who? Fulweiler, F-U-L. I'll put it in the show notes, yeah. W-I-L-E-R, Fulweiler. Okay. But it's $1.99. It's a steal. Go and go <laughs> and buy it and have a great holiday reading. <laughs> I'll get that one. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, so before we end, we'll, we'll close with a prayer. And um, pray for all those women who are considering abortion, who have had abortions, and just for women in general and our brokenness. Dear Father, thank you for never giving up on us. Even in our bitterness and our anger, you love us. In our pain and our shame and sorrow, you love us. You aren't dismayed by our brokenness, nor are you turned away by our messy lives. You love us and you seek to heal us. Father, I pray for those who have broken hearts. I pray for those who have secrets of rejection and abandonment. And I pray your tender and gentle light to dawn in our hearts. Please come and be with us where we are. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Have a great week. Thanks, Julie. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. That's great.